at your name. Let's lift the Lord's name in praise together today. Sing with me. All our voices together in this place together. At your name, the mountains shake and crumble. At your name, the oceans roar and tumble. morning. You may be seated. Welcome to First Baptist Church Pineville. We are so glad that you are here. As you can tell, we had a great week at Vacation Bible School. If you were a leader or volunteer, a cookie maker, anything, I want you to stand right now and I want us all to give you a hand clap because thank you for all that you did to make this week such a great week at Vacation Bible School. A 
Overall, this week, we had 282 volunteers and participants. We had eight salvations that took place, and I know that many more seeds were planted. Amen. I am so thankful that you are here. If you are a guest, we ask that you fill out the blue communication card that's in your worship guide. And at the end of the service, you'll have an opportunity to turn that in. If you have prayer requests, um, we ask that you fill that out as well. But we are so glad that you are here as a part of First Baptist Church Pumble, our church family this morning. At this moment, we're going to show um, our VBS video that Grace Kane made. So let's take a moment to watch that. Pray with me, please. God, we are so thankful for all that you have done this past week in the lives, hearts and lives of children and adults alike, God. Lord, we just pray that moving forward, God, we would remember those truths that we learned this week, Lord God, that God has a plan for our lives and he wants to use us to spread the word and the love of Jesus to our world, God. Lord, I thank you for a church that sees the importance of pouring into our children and planting those seeds when they're young. May we be diligent in watering those seeds day in and day out so these children can grow in their knowledge of you, Lord God, and that others may come to know you, Father. Thank you for this worship service today, Lord God. May you get all the honor, the glory, and the praise for all that has been done and all that will be done today in this worship service. Lord, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amazed in the presence, would you stand with us and let's sing this great hymn of our faith together today. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Oh 
Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for the success of VBS this week. Thank you for all the children that came, that were introduced to Jesus, participated for the influence that they had on our lives. Thank you especially for the eight children that came to accept Jesus as their Savior. Help us all remember that our job starts when we leave this sanctuary and we spread the word to the rest of the world. It starts in our community, but it spreads everywhere. Now we come to the part of the service where we give back a small portion of the gifts that you have given us. Take these gifts, multiply them, and use them for your mission. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.
pong, ping pong, and of course the most important game, life. Now let's get fired up. <laughs> I know you've been waiting all year to win the game on cup. Last year was tough. We had to lead all the way down to the big dodgeball final where Jerry sprained his ankle trying to elude that spinning missile from the Wildcats. Where's Carrie? I don't know. I saw her at the gym yesterday practicing free throws and she said she'd be here. Well, we need to find her. But coach, don't you think we have enough players to compete? Yeah, and she's even worse than Kelly. Ouch, that's a little harsh, don't you think? Actually, we need everybody, win or lose. We're a team. When one player goes astray, we all suffer. We've got 30 minutes before the flag football competition. Everybody spread out and find her. Kelly, you call her cell phone. Freddie, you run to her house. It's only a few blocks, a few blocks away. Isaac, you ask your mom to hash you. Find Carrie on her phone. Everybody else spread out. We have to find her. Remember, God found us. Let's just pray we find Carrie. shoot the basketball, the only thing I can hear is the whole town chanting, air ball, air ball, air ball. What? And when I swing the bat, I just know I'm going to hear the umpire shout, steroid. You don't know that. And what if I fumble the ball? I just don't, I just know it'll happen. I don't want to lose it for the whole team. All year I hear people chanting, loser. We haven't even started yet. We need you. No, you don't. I'm dead weight, the weakling, the fifth wheel, the bench warmer. I'm hopeless. You don't really believe that, do you? Sure I believe that. 
practice this spring has really paid off. We're in second place, but you're first place in my book. Remember, this is the city annual all-game summer all-games competition. But now we have to play basketball against the Giants. Have you seen those guys? Yeah, they look two feet tall, Coach. Their leading scorer even has whiskers and he's in the fifth grade. What fifth grader has whiskers? I know they're intimidating, but we can't be thrown off by facial hair. Can we skip the basketball game and move on to the putt-putt tournament? Hey, that's not how this works. God will help us do our best. We've got to overcome our fears today. Yeah, we're the Lions. Let's roar. Plus, remember, we are more than champions. We've got to admit that this will be a tough game. Just like we have to admit that we're sinners. Right. And we've got to believe we can Kind of like we have to believe the, the, in Jesus to be saved. Awesome. Then we confess our faith in Jesus. Exactly. The point is, we're saved. And forever and ever. And we don't have to be afraid of anything. Even fifth graders that are already being scouted by the NBA. Let's do this. <laughs> Lions on three. One, two, three. Lions!
baseball champions thanks to that monster slam in the ninth inning. Second place in basketball. Now that was a complete team effort. Um, we didn't do so well in basketball, but it was alright. We dominated in putt-putt and almost won a game in flag football. We are definitely going home with a lot more wins than last year. And the best part of the day was that after practicing and playing with all of you, I noticed something you all had that I didn't. What's that? I didn't know about Jesus, but before the game, Kelly talked to me about God's plan for me, and now I'm finally becoming a Christian. Woo! That's the greatest thing I've ever seen at the annual All Games competition. Ladies and gentlemen, all the scores have been tallied, and the new all-around champion of the annual Summer's All Games competition is the Giants! And finally, the winner of the Spirit Award for 2018 annual Summer's All Games competition is the Lions! job lines, you face them all. The Giants were tall, the Eagles were flying high, the Cowboys got up to the finish, and the Lions, the Lions roared, roared. We won some, we lost some, but I couldn't be prouder of your courage. Each one of you definitely has the heart of a lion. champions in life. That's where it all matters. From now until the celebration when Jesus returns. It's game on, Lions. Clap your hands, stomp your feet, get it boom, boom. 
Great job. Wasn't that wonderful? We had a super week this week at Vacation Bible School. Just had a really good time. This is one of the most fun weeks of Vacation Bible School uh, we've had in a good long while. And thank you all of you who helped make that uh, a possibility through your giving, through your work, through your service, through donating cookies. Um, the girls who were helping lead our, our kids up there who did aerobics for about three hours every night. Thank y'all for, for your work. And uh, Miss Debbie Wilkes helping with the play and getting that together. Just a great time. And Bible school is a lot of fun. And, and we have just such a great time. And it was so great to be back in the sanctuary this year with our new lighting system. And boy, we could really jazz it up this year with all the, all the stuff. So it was, it was pretty fun. And uh, this week, as Kimberly shared, we had uh, eight children except Christ. And I know a lot of other seeds planted. And it's going to be fun to be able to see those followed up with. And every time we would hear about one of those, Kimberly would say, and that's why we do what we do. That's why we go through Vacation Bible School. And uh, this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to hear the gospel and respond to the offer of salvation that God offers to every single one of us in this room. Some of us are already saved. Some of us are not. And so I wanna, want you to listen closely this morning to give you that opportunity to trust Jesus uh, just as maybe your children did this week. When we go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we find out that God created the world perfect. Everything was exactly like it should be. God created us, his human beings, for relationship. And throughout the creation account, as we go through, as God creates the different things each day, he ends those days saying, God looked at what he created and it was good. But at the end of the day when he created man and woman and humankind, he said it was very good. The relationship between man and God was unhindered. It was perfect. There was nothing separating us. In fact, we see that Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. They had that close of a personal relationship with him. There was no distance, not even a physical distance. 
But in Genesis 3, everything changes, and everything changes fast. Uh, Adam and Eve are given a choice to obey God or to disobey God. Now, God had to give them that choice in order for them to be truly human. He could have made them just simply obedient without any choices in the matter. But he gave them a choice because he wanted us to have a relationship with him of our own free will. And so he put this choice out before them to not eat of this tree of knowledge or to eat of the tree of knowledge. God told them not to. But through the influence and temptation of the enemy, Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and eat the fruit. And immediately upon that choice, sin's consequences began to spread throughout the earth. Immediately in Genesis 3, we see that Adam and Eve realize they're naked. They realize they've sinned. They're trying to hide from God. They, they, they feel a distance from him already. And the whole relationship between them, between them and God, and between them and creation immediately and suddenly changes. You know, Romans 3.23 says that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Since the days of Adam and Eve, every single one of us has sinned. There's not one person who has ever not sinned. And that creates a really bad situation. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin, what we get for our sin, what we're paid for our sin, the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. Not necessarily a physical death, though that's certainly part of it, but a spiritual death. Now eternal separation from God comes in when we sin. If sin remains in our life, it will cause us to be separated from God forever. We won't experience abundant life with him now, and we won't experience eternal life with him in heaven forever. But you know, when that sin came into the world through Adam and Eve, God was not surprised. God didn't say, oh no, what are we going to do? Adam and Eve have sinned. No, he simply put a plan into action. You see, God knew the choice that they were going to make. Even though he gave them the option, he knew what choice they were going to make. So he had made a preparation plan from the beginning to take care of sin so that mankind would have another choice. A choice to repent of their sin and follow God. And so uh, God didn't want this separation to last forever. He wanted a, a relationship with us. So he put forth a plan. And the plan is foreshadowed in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. Something we call the proto-evangelium. A foreshadowing of the gospel where, where God is cursing Satan. And he says... And there's going to be enmity between you and the seed of the woman. And he, you are going to strike his heel, but he is going to crush your head. And it's a foreshadowing, a looking forward throughout the millennia of time until the time when Jesus would come. And when he would die on the cross for our sins, Satan striking his heel, thinking he had been victorious. But ultimately being crushed when Jesus rose from the dead. In Genesis 3, we have these wonderful pictures of God's grace. Even as he is cursing uh, man and woman and the serpent for their sin, God does some amazing acts of grace. Of course, he gives this wonderful foreshadowing of the gospel. But another beautiful picture of grace is that God performs the first sacrifice in order to cover man's sin. Remember, Adam and Eve realized that they were naked, and so God takes animal skins and clothes Adam and Eve to cover their sin. It's a beautiful picture of God's grace. And then God does another thing that is gracious, but we don't really see it as gracious when we first read it. God banishes them from the garden. Now we look at that and we say, man, he's punishing them. No, he's really being gracious because he removes them from the garden. And he says, why? He says, so that they will not eat of the tree of life and live forever. God did not want Adam and Eve to then go and eat of the tree of life and live forever in their sinful state. So he removed them from the garden, making sure they could never return so that his plan of salvation could be put forth. 
And so the, the relationship was messed up, but God had his plan. And as you read on into the next few chapters of Genesis, you think, my goodness, God better get his plan going soon. Because in Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve's son, Cain, kills his brother Abel. So in the space of one chapter, we've gone from mere disobedience to murder. And things are awful, and they just keep getting more and more awful until Genesis 6, where God says the thoughts of man even are only evil all the time, and he determines to destroy all of creation and start over. And so he reboots creation through Noah and his family through the ark. And God's going to start over, and he tells them to be fruitful and multiply and increase in number and fill the earth. And they do part of that. They're fruitful. They multiply. They increase in number, but they move to one spot, and they stop. And they build a city for themselves with a tower within it called the Tower of Babel now because they wanted to make a name for themselves. And God said, this isn't good because they are not obeying what they should do to fill the earth. And so God went down and he confused their languages so that they had to spread out all over the earth and we have the birth of the nations. But that makes the problem continue because now we have all these different nations who are separated from God and from each other and they need a way to connect with God. And so in chapter 12 of Genesis, we meet a guy named Abram who God raises up, he'll eventually be renamed Abraham. And through Abraham, God will bring about a nation Israel from whom God tells Abraham, all nations will be blessed. It's looking forward again to someone who's going to turn. We find out that through this relationship with Israel, God reveals himself. We learn that God really can't stand sin and that he punishes sin, but we also learn that God is forgiving and gracious. Because there are many times as you read the story of Israel, you think, God, why don't you just start over again? Because they are so rebellious and they're so unappreciative and they continually turn their back on God, but God continually forgives them. And we learn that when we mess up and we fess up, God forgives us. And he forgets our sin. One of the amazing things about God, a God who knows everything, past, present, and future, is that he can forget something. And the thing that he forgets is our sin when we confess it. Isn't that amazing? He can forget. I bet if somebody did something against you, you remember it forever. We keep records of wrongs, but not God. When you confess your sins. He is faithful and just and forgives you of your sins and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. It says in the Bible that God separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. He remembers it no more. Through all those twists and turns and triumphs and failures of the people of God in the Old Testament, we learn a lot about God. And we learn that God's going to deal with sin ultimately and once and for all. And he's going to send someone who's going to take care of that. And, and we get those foreshadowings throughout the Old Testament. And then, man, when the prophets start preaching, we really find out about this Messiah that's going to come. And Isaiah especially tells us a lot about this one that's going to come. And so it's interesting, as you turn the page to the New Testament, you enter into the Gospels, and the very first Gospel begins with a genealogy, and it's boring as all get out because it's this person begat, that person begat, that person. But suddenly you realize, wait a second, this guy Jesus connects all the way back to this guy Abraham, and God's story is just continuing. And we find out that Jesus came in the fullness of time, at just the right time, when everything was right for God to implement his plan, Jesus came. And as we get to know Jesus in the Gospels, we find out that God sent Jesus to be the perfect solution for our sin problem, that he and he alone could rescue us from our punishment. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but that verse continues with a conjunction of unction, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that wonderful verse sets up two, several major opposites. The wages of sin is death. Gift of God is eternal life. You're paid death for your sin. You get a gift 
from God in eternal life. And that comes because, as John 3.16 tells us, God loved us so much that whoever would believe in him would not have to perish, would not have to receive those wages of sin and death, but could have everlasting life, could receive that gift that God so freely offers. Ephesians 2, 7 and 9 says, it's in Jesus that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Sometimes people ask, well, why did Jesus have to die? What's well, very simple this. The greatest offense to God is sin. And sin brings death. The greatest commodity of life is blood. We even know now life is in the blood. And so it takes the greatest commodity of life to cover the greatest offense of life before God. But you see, the thing is, we could never earn our salvation. We could never pay for our own sins in any way, not even by dying ourselves. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags in the hands of God. So there had to be one who was perfectly righteous, who could die for us, who could cover our sins. And that was Jesus. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, when you repent of your sins and you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, the righteousness of Jesus is placed over you and over your sins, much like God clothed Adam and Eve's nakedness. And so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your unrighteousness. He sees Christ's righteousness. And he then says, you are righteous and you may enter into my heavenly kingdom. What Jesus did is God's gift for you. He made a way for the separation to be removed. And he wants to bring you both abundant life now and eternal life forever. He wants you to be able to enjoy that gift that he offers you. But how do you receive a gift? What do you do when someone holds out a gift? When I asked the kids that on Tuesday night, several of them said, you got to earn your gift. You got to work for it. I thought, I'm sorry for you, kid, because that's not what you do for a gift. I said, your birthday comes. Does your parents say, here's your birthday presents, but you need to go do some chores? No. They say, happy birthday. And to get the gift, you just have to receive it. You can't earn the gift of salvation. You just have to receive it and thank God for it. And you do that by doing what the kids sang about a few minutes ago, ABC. Admit. Admit to God that you are a sinner. Admit that you're one of the ones who have sinned. You're one of the ones that is not righteous. And that includes everybody. God already knows you're a sinner. So all you have to do is admit it. But then in admitting it, you also turn from your sins, that you repent of your sins. Confession is one thing. Repentance is the next step. We can say, yes, I'm a sinner, but you've also got to say, yeah, I'm going this way, but I'm going to repent and turn away from my sin, and I'm going to go this way of God. So that's the first step, admitting that you're a sinner, repenting of your sins. And then the B is believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is God's son. Accept God's gift of forgiveness for sin. I realize, God, while I may not understand it all, I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and I receive his forgiveness and I want to give my life to you. And then the C is you let others know about it through confession. Confess your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Romans 10, 9 and, says, 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your mouth that you, with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. What's inside has to come outside, and what's outside should be inside. And so you must confess. 
And when you receive the gift of salvation, you are saved. We say born again because you're starting over. You're saved from eternal separation from God, eternal death and hell, and you are given abundant life now through Jesus Christ and eternal life forever. There were several children who made a decision this week to trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and some of those may be coming forward this morning to let you know about that. But we also wanted to give you an opportunity to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've heard the gospel presented, and now we want to give you an opportunity to receive him. So if you would mind bowing your head and closing your eyes as we go into this time of invitation. And if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ right now as your Lord and Savior, would you just in the quietness of this moment in your own heart pray to the Lord something like this. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I want you to come in to my life and save me. Lord, transform me by the power of your word. And make me a new creation today. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me and coming to be the Lord and leader of my life. The Bible says that if you pray something like that and believing in your heart that it's true, you will be saved. And I pray that if you've done that this morning, in just a moment when we stand and sing, that you come forward and you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. I'm letting the church know today that I am a new believer in Jesus Christ, because we want to celebrate with you, and we want to uh, rejoice in what God has done. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have our time of invitation, and I encourage you to come forward if the Lord has spoken to you this morning. There may be other things that God is speaking to you this week to make public today, but let's pray, and then we'll uh, ask the Lord to move. Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful week of Vacation Bible School. God, we rejoice in what you've done God, we rejoice in the decisions that have been made. And Lord, we rejoice even now in the decisions that were made in these moments. Help us, Lord, to honor you in all that we do. And Lord, may this day be a day of victory. Lord, help those who've made decisions to be confident enough to stand in front of this church and declare their faith in you. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation. Thank you for saving us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.